Huge congratulations to Brad Daniels, who just won a surfboard from Real Water Sports. They do a giveaway at the end of every year, and uh, no purchase required. You don't need to spend a dime with them. You give them an email address over the course of the month, and then at the end of the month, they select one name. That person gets to go and select any surfboard from their inventory at Real Water Sports. Wow, Brad, congratulations, and thanks to Real Water Sports for uh, supporting our show throughout the year and supporting the surf community at large by offering, uh, hey, a free surfboard, just a giveaway. You don't need to do anything. Brad is stoked. What do you, what board do you think he's going to pick? They, he went yesterday to pick it up, and uh, I don't know yet, but they filmed it, and they're going to make a video and then post it. So we'll see it on Instagram in the next day or two, I'm sure. Just grabbing the most expensive board on the <laughs> In the lineup, straight that, to Craigslist. <laughs> that happened to us last year. We did this exact thing with them in December. And the guy who won uh, picked a Christensen 11-foot something, like a glider. <laughs> really? I was, like, I was like, thanks a lot, dude. That really helps. <laughs> but anyway, that's what Real I'm Water Sports, have. thanks for your support. Yeah, for sure. Realwatersports.com. As we see... Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, guy. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, freaking God, dude. It's coffee time. Drinking some coffee. It's early in the morning here on a Thursday, December 14th. Just 10 days away from Christmas Eve. David, how's your shopping going? How's your Christmas? Are you in the Christmas spirit? Yeah. With the two-year-old, you can't avoid being in the Christmas spirit. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, the first thing he said this morning, I heard him rousing. So I went in his room and as soon as he kind of opens his eyes and sees me, he said, Halloween over. He's still really? upset. He's still upset that Halloween is over. He has not gotten over it. Yeah, it's so weird when you're a kid, it, it, how long life seems and then how quickly it like, you're like, holy shit, Christmas is here already. Mm -hmm. He has wow. a couple of phrases, you know, he's learning language, obviously. So he has some phrases that he's locked in on how and Halloween over is one that he mentions a few times a day. Um, so but we're trying to I mean, he understands Christmas and he sees the decorations in everybody's lawn. So he is getting excited about that. But it's uh, pales, I think, in comparison to Halloween for him. How do you uh, as parents sort of reconcile the lie that is Santa Claus? We embrace the lie that is Santa Claus. <laughs> um, there is no, we have no qualms about it. Uh, it's fun. You know what I mean? It's just, it's fun lore that he will eventually grow out of and mature out of. But for now it's, it's all fun. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but I'm done with my shopping to answer your first question. Are you done with yours? Okay. No, I, although I did actually, I bought a ticket to Indo. So that's kind of one of my son's presents, uh, which he knows about. I was going to say, he just found out about it right now. <laughs> no, he knows about it. We we booked a ticket to Indo for the spring, but um, I upgraded from economy to premium economy. And so Ooh. I gave him that upgrade. Ooh, have you ever flown premium or business or anything like that? Yeah, I've flown business before. Must be nice. We used to do it when we worked at when I worked at Surfer Magazine, I would just upgrade to business economy. <laughs> and, make, them, yeah. make them deal with it if they even ever figured it out. Exactly. Yeah, must be nice. Uh, long gone are the days of the corporate expense account. Yeah. Um, well, that's a great gift. Good thinking. And uh, yeah. ex invest in experience is what I say. Nobody needs more things at this point. Good, good idea. That's great. Uh, Great advice, David. Hey, thank but you. Let's get right to it. The um, the main story here, I think, is the Vans Pipe Masters, which occurred a couple of days ago, finished up a couple of days ago. It was incredible. The waves were uh, exciting. You know, might be the a good way to put it. Um, a little the waves bit. Waves the stars is another way to put it. Yeah, the waves were the stars for sure. Although, let me say this: 
the women as as the event unfolded and it surprised me that they went i was like oh wow okay they're like i luckily i was tuned into it when they said yeah we're going and uh, of course it was semi more or less flat in the morning but they had faith that the buoys were going to come through and the swell was going to in fact hit those islands and it did and and as it was rising as the swell was rising you could tell it was going to be a momentous day and i think for the first time that i can remember they put the women into a situation which was a little bit scary that they were out there as the swell was on the rise usually they're like oh the swell's fading and the wind is on shore let's put the women out there this was the first time that they're like women we're putting you in a situation which is going to make or break you you know as a division and boy did the women step up and and they really i think got the gnarliest part of the morning which was this rising you know 18 second swell which is thick and mean and um and and it kind of like all fills up and and pushes up on the first reef um so the women i i really felt like at the time i'm like wow well, i'm seeing history here i'm watching history unfold here and and sal masquela said as much um in his commentary and i think he was right on that um we really saw you know we've been we've been waiting for this moment as surf fans like okay the women are starting to get out of pipe you know wsl put them out there a few times and they're making their move and it's happening and and of course um moana jones wong won the pipe masters uh earlier but this really felt like okay it's on like we're putting them out in massive surf like you know rising surf deep swell deep period it's going to be scary and um and boy oh boy i it was fascinating i really felt like a part of history watching it unfold totally agree with you um we saw the best surfing from females at pipeline that i've ever seen i mean moana's probably got better waves in her life out there but she got legit ones and won the event you know, because of it, but the other girls as well were getting insane waves that I've never seen female surfers get a pipe before, probably largely due to the fact that there was only four of them in the lineup. I think that helps a lot, but all of the roads built leading up to this certainly put them in that position as well. The other thing that I saw was them throwing themselves over the ledge on crazy wipeouts. And that is something that I hadn't seen in the past very much like we'd see in the past the women would as anybody would by the way who's getting used to a spot like pipeline we'd see them be tentative and so carissa might get a sick back door wave but we'd see people pulling back on waves or being out of position on waves this was a situation where i saw multiple wipeouts that were insanely heavy i forget who it was but somebody on a back door wave that was just like triple overhead fully ejecting off the top on like a double up crazy one. Um, so the point is they're going for it. And what's going to happen when you go for it is you are going to have those wipeouts, but that's the first, that's one of the steps to then getting a 10 point ride. You have to go through that trial by fire. And so the fact that I saw them really wanting it in a way that, uh, is just, they're going to get it, you know, like you have to want it that bad and, persevere that kind of thing so i think that was really really noteworthy to me and something i hadn't seen in the past and frankly i, I think in many ways the women's division was i found myself more excited about it or, or just more engaged in the women's division i guess and um frankly i i think that moana jones wong and this isn't like some big you know hot take or anything but i truly believe that she's going to be continue to be an unstoppable force out there she and this is because she's a local there she just puts in more time and probably more important she has all of the backing of the local guys that surf there she's one of them now erin uh, brooks absolutely charged she was inspiring sierra kerr was inspiring frankie harar molly picklum um gabrielle bryant they were all charging and all ripping but the bottom line is is that I see this women's division specifically for the Vans Pipeline Masters, Pipe Masters, uh, being Moana's to lose. And and it's kind of reminds me of the early days of the Pipe Masters where it was really Jerry and Rory for mm. you know a good solid four or five years there. If you look at the results, you know, Jerry first, Rory second, you know, vice versa. Maybe a couple of years there where maybe somebody else won it, but 
there was a solid six years where it was the Jerry and Rory show. And I just feel like this is going to be the Moana Jones, Jones Wong show. I do not see how she can not just be heads and shoulders above everyone in this competition. And and again, it, it focuses back to her being a local and her having the backing of those guys out there, you know, uh, now look, she, you know, that she has to maintain the focus that she has. And I see your hand is raised. I will yield to my gentleman friend from Los Angeles. I just didn't want you to move on to a second point because I do want to address that. I agree with what you're saying about Moana. She dominates pipe. I've not seen her go at back door. Look at Molly Picklum. She won this event last year. She finished second this year. I think she's a bit more dynamic. She certainly doesn't have the experience at pipe that you're talking about. And that does go a long way, especially if it's big West swell pipe. That's going to be hard to beat because Moana can pick off a 10, you know, um, but Molly is a threat. And as Molly is on tour and sharpens her competitive chops and gets more time at pipeline, I think that could be the number one contender. That's a great point. I, I absolutely forgot about the back door, and that's actually crucial. I think we see more victorious champions because of the back door, you know? Um, it's weird, you know, these swells start westerly, and the first couple rounds are these big laughs. And as they move across the Pacific towards California, they become uh, more west-northwesterly and then northerly. You know, they have a more northerly uh, faction to them or direction to them and uh, that's when of course the back door starts to open up towards the end of the waiting period when the finals days occur um so we shall see but i really feel like uh i mean let me ask you this if i told you that she's going to have moana jones wong is going to have six pipe masters titles would you would you take that bet or would you be on the over or under uh, which side of that equation would you be I believe that she would have six. And if I had to take the bet, I would say she'll have more. And and I want to say right now she has two. Yeah. So she only needs four more. I mean, I think Kelly has six. Maybe I don't have my stats perfect on that. But I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure either. She could outpace Kelly Slater's the, the most pipe masters titles, which would be really kind of cool in a weird be way. Amazing. Yeah. And um, anyway, there's like I say, there are some things that um, could force her to lose focus. And those things, um, by the way, aren't bad things either, you know, like uh, school or family or whatever it is. But I think if she focuses, she could easily have six pipeline masters titles. She she looks like Jerry Lopez when she's like she's got this style of Derek Ho. You know what I mean? She's got this classic Hawaiian style, which it is really cool to see you know um this is just a unique wave and she's in a unique position ellie has eight for the record yeah okay so she's got a little ways to go which is just so crazy to think about he won the last one when he was 49 obviously but if she's still at it at 49 she'd have 20 by then <laughs> yeah um, well, look john john won the men's division yeah John John over Makana Pang in second, Seth Moniz in third, and Billy Kemper. But when you point out John John and Moana in first position on either side, it really feels like it was destined to be. It feels like what you want to have at an event is the best surfers at that venue throughout the course of the event win the event. And unfortunately, the structure of events in the past hasn't always allowed that to happen. And that's kind of our biggest gripe, I think, as viewers, is just like, God, the structure is getting away, getting in the way of the best surfers at the best waves. This feels like it not only was destined to be, but the contest format allowed for the right surfers to win at the end of the day, despite a couple of, you know, judging kind of questionable judging things along the way conditions getting crappy for the second day, the best surfer still won the event. And sort of silently, um, maybe not being talked about. I think this is an indictment on finals day for the WSL at lowers. 100%. This event is just the pipe masters event pipeline itself. The location has to be, the final stop for the world title it just does it's it's it's, it's crazy that we're even having this debate yeah that's how i feel about it I, I feel like I'm, I'm like tearing my hair out right now you know just like are you kidding me are we really talking about this yeah, totally insane one of the funnier comments that i saw on uh stabs 
post about the finals day or the final day of this event was that um, Stranger Than Dane said, quote, you reckon Felipe still thinks he's a, quote, world champ after he watches the ladies absolutely send it at pipe, which is kind of to the point that I was making earlier, which is Felipe got a couple of waves when he surfs out there, but he's not sending it. You know, he's not sitting deep going for the double ups and then eating crap in a crazy. So it does call into question. They put in quotes, the world champ in quotes, because there's an asterisk next to it by winning it lowers every year. Yeah. And um, hopefully they're they're taking notice and uh, we'll see what happens. But um, of course, a a perfect ride, um, which was amazing, mostly because the channel view, the view where you're going to see the guy the whole time, our surfer disappears for a moment. The foam ball completely covers him. And because he's on a little bit, uh, a board with a little bit more length, a little bit more rail, he's able to overcome that. And that was just, I mean, a jump out of your seat moment. If you were watching it live, it was insane. Who was the surfer? <laughs> Para. Who? Para Bryant? Yes. I don't know what they call him. What do they call me? Hero? Has. Huh? Bi- Bio has. Has. Boyhaze, my Harry Bryant riding a Gravel, which by the way, I didn't even know who Gravel was until Harry, I think last year was riding those boards. Um, but he, the year prior, I feel like was riding Gunter Rohn's guns, which is a name that you don't hear very often, but an Australian shaper who's been at it for 40 years, total ledge, everybody, you know, in the know knows. Um, just not a shameless self-promoter via Instagram, basically, to the modern youth. And so Harry was writing those boards and what he's known for, these big guns. And everybody else, obviously, the trend surfing pipe is to ride shorter boards and sit under the ledge. But seeing Harry sit kind of a little bit deeper and get in early. And by the way, he did that on that wave, but that doesn't mean it's an easy ride. Like this was one that was a proper pipe wave that you could kind of get in on a bigger board or I, I guess be in position where John, John might have been sitting on the inside on the ledge, Harry's sitting further out. So he'll be in position for this thing, but it's still required. I mean, he was deep and it required the foam ball. He said he even got like lifted up on the foam ball and had to kind of ride through it. So yeah, the board was key in making that ride. Yeah. And it's funny. There's, I think there is a fine line between too much length. You know, I feel like, I watched Justin Quintal catch a really solid wave and he has a longer board and he had, it almost was like his board wouldn't do a mid face turn and let him pull right up. He had to go to the flats to do the bottom turn. By that time he missed sort of the crucial moment where he would have got a better score. And so there's this fine, is it, is it like seven, two is okay, but seven, six is too much. You know, I mean, it obviously it depends on rocker and different variables and how big the surfer is and all of that. But uh it's so cool. Nathan Fletcher brought out that story about that shaper from South Australia and about how he and did you hear that part? Did not know. So they cut to him and Nathan told the story of he was with Harry Bryan in South Australia. And for whatever reason, they were sort of stuck in this like kind of like podunk oil South Australian town that just basically had a pub and like 100 people lived there. And it was just this little place, you know, a little, who knows, cattle village. I don't know what it, what it is. And I, I don't know if there was a lack of swell or no, their car had broken down. And so they're at the pub for three days waiting for the radiator to get fixed or whatever. And next to the pub is that gentleman's Gravel shaping bay. This wow. is where Gravel lives and works. And so they started chatting it up. And um, before you know it, they're out next door in his shaping bay. He and Harry Bryant and Nathan Fletcher. And, um, and they're building boards for Harry just a couple of years ago. Wow. And um it's just really neat that that story got excavated, that there are many, many hometown hero shapers that are totally worthy and they're all around us, you know, whether you're in, uh, wherever you may be, you know, there are guys that are just not getting the notoriety. Maybe they don't seek it. They're just local shapers, but they can build you the most magical surfboard. And, and, uh, you know, I think of, Shea Soma, the guy who won best in show at the boardroom show this year, you know, like he doesn't have the marketing vehicle 
or the marketing resources to put himself out there as like, you know, yeah, I can build a WCT surfboard, but yeah. they're out there. They are, and they're many and varied. Well, the, um, now that you say that I'm reminded the Gunter Roan board that Harry was riding, I think that was just under somebody's house on the North shore. So like he came over with a quiver of boards, but smaller boards. And then he got on that Gunter board, which was like a long old school gun. And he realized the virtues of the length. And so that must have then translated into the conversation that he had with Gravel, where he was like, hey, I was on the North Shore and I rode a longer board and it felt amazing. Maybe we should do something like that. And then last year he showed up with the Gravel. That was the first time that I had seen that name. Um, and so then this season, I don't know if it's the same board he had from last season or a newer version of it, but that's the evolution of the story. And it looks yeah, and good. It, it looks good on him too. It looks great. And and I, as I recall, I think from Nathan's story, they ended up buying a used board from Gravel the first time. And then he okay. and it was like this 90s kind of like, you know, rockered out kind of needly. And it worked insane. Yeah. And then he went back and got a, you know. A different well, version well talking about justin quintal uh maybe salema or somebody um regurgitated something that justin had told them justin was in the water there in the commentary booth and i had never heard this before but justin was saying that um obviously he's a longboard champ he was saying that nose riding has been the perfect training for getting barreled at places like pipeline because the feeling of hanging 10, that kind of levitation feeling where the board is kind of like wobbling behind you and you're out of control, but you're trying to balance on this very fine, like portion of the board is what happens when you're riding over the foam ball at a place like pipe, that same weightlessness. And I'm like, wow, I've heard people talk like I've never served big enough barrels to feel the weightlessness that they're talking about going over a foam ball but I've heard people talk about it before and that makes perfect. I've nose written just enough to feel moments of what he's talking about. So I do relate to that feeling and that's such a dynamic, interesting comparison, you know? Yeah. Um, you bring up a great point and, and Justin surfed great. You know, I, I'm not here to throw shade on Justin surfing. I I'm very impressed by, and I, I guess I shouldn't be, the guy's an incredible surfer and we've seen footage, free surf footage of him at pipe getting just sick ones. And last I kind of the same one. Yeah, last year. And I I I actually like watching guys ride bigger boards there. You know, I'm Derek Ho would always ride a bigger board. And of course, Kalani Chapman rides bigger boards and Mason. And, uh, Mason. Yeah, good, good point. Now, a couple of rides that stand out. I don't know if you saw the Japanese kid, um Riaru Ito. Yes, I did. Holy mackerel. That was I gonna thought a 40 I, I thought it, totally i was like that had to be i had the volume down for 99 of the event but i was watching it and i was like that had to be cole rothman like somebody who surfs there all the time had to navigate that thing i was shocked to find out that it was that kid yeah it was amazing because you saw him from the channel view just pumping with every ounce of um you know determination that he had and he and he just drove through such a beast I was actually like kind of in the kitchen preparing food and looking over my shoulder, watching on my TV. And, and I saw it, I walked out there cause I was like, this thing's going to be insane. And sure enough, it was mind blowing. And, it, you know, I, I don't think they scored him all that high because he didn't make the wave. It was a closeout. It wasn't, he was going to have to doggy to our section that probably would have broken his spleen or something. But anyway, hats off to, um, uh, Mr. Itos, Itosan for, uh, that was incredible. That was an incredible ride. Yeah. Emi Kalani DeVault's backdoor wave again was one that I'm, I thought was insane. I'm I'm thinking totally underscored. I cannot believe. When you look at like they, the way they scored John John in the final or even some other scores, <clears throat> I want to say they gave him, they gave Emi Kalani DeVault a 25.9. I might be wrong, but I think that's the score they gave him a 25.9. If you divide that by three, that's like, you know, six and a half or something. That wave was that wave was easily a nine point eight. Yeah, he got spit on three different times. If you watch that, in and he was in the barrel each time. That wave spit three times, 
All you got, I'm not lying. Just watch the video and you can see yeah. it out. Everybody in the way that they underscored him so deep. It was kind of a travesty. It was a travesty. And everybody in the commentary booth said that in real time. They watched <laughs> the wave and they were just like tripping. And they're like, oh, that's a 29 point ride for sure. Like, I don't know if it's a 30, but it's right there, you know? And then the score came out. I thought it was even lower than 25, to be honest, but maybe you're right. Um, but yeah, he got he got robbed on that for sure. There was one, there was, I'd say four instances throughout the event where the judging seemed really off, but there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, you couldn't even make a conspiracy against Emi. He's a Vans team writer. If anything, they would have pushed him through the event. Um, for whatever reason, sometimes I feel like maybe judges, maybe there was somebody who went on the pipe wave. Maybe there was the angle that they had wasn't the best angle. Whatever the case, Emi got robbed, but it was an insane wave. Well, I think I did my math wrong, but yeah, you did. 25.9 is an 8.6. So it wasn't as much of a Travis Sham mockery as I thought based on my crappy math, but an 8.6. I mean, the thing is, is that it was, a, I think, one of the first heats, if not the first heat for the men. And so the judges are like, okay, well, shoot, if we're going to see that early on and it's a rising swell, Maybe. it's going to get crazy. We got to give ourselves a little breathing room. I'm sure there was a nine thrown out. I'm sure there was an 8.2. I'm sure, you know, I don't know what the three scores were that gave him that 25.9, but it, you know, if it averages to an 8.6, it's not that horrendous. And let's talk about, yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about the format a little bit. Um, so they're on a 30 point scale instead of a 10 point scale. There's 48 surfers in the event. They surf three times each. And then the top, it's a leaderboard format. So everybody surfs three times. At the end of that, the top four scoring surfers end up in the final together and the slate's wiped clean and the four surfers have a surf off and whoever wins that heat wins the event. Um, how did you feel about the format? And is it applicable, do you think, for a tour? I think it is. I think they do snowboarding like this. I think they might do skateboarding like this. I love this format is awesome there is one glaring problem with it which is if you get the early round draw if you're in the first heats you're sort of in that position of of like waiting the whole day to see if you're going to get overtaken by the other surfers and if it's true that judging that we like temper our expectations and our what we're what you know the, the number of points we're going to give a surfer early in the rounds then you're definitely at a disadvantage to be and an early round draw. Do you know why they don't shuffle the draw from day to day and from round to round? Because the same surfers, the same four surfers who surf the first time together, surf the second time together and the third time together. Yeah, I'm sure that that would be something they might look at, you know, to make an adjustment as this thing evolves. But I like this format a lot as a as an end user, as a fan. They could have done a better job with graphics, by the way. There were some problems from the communication standpoint about what was happening. For instance, my wife was watching going, I don't even understand what's happening. Like, what are these numbers up here? Like, they just didn't do the best job of going, hey, here's how we're playing it out now. They were almost too incestuous, assuming that we are all right there on the beach and we understood it like we were in their planning meetings with them or something, you know. But beyond, beyond that, like, let's put that aside. I think this format is incredible. And um, I, I was, uh, again, as a fan, I was buying into, okay, every every heat had a little bit more um, meaning to it, I think, especially, yeah. of course, on finals day. Yeah, I I prefer this format over the regular elimination format that we have on the WSL. I'm sure if we saw it in 11 events, 11 events throughout the course of the year at different venues, we would be able to pick holes in it, just like we have the WSL's format. But for whatever reason, I feel like this has fewer holes to be picked. This feels a little bit more democratic um, and fair across the board. And I saw somebody maybe on Stab's comments saying, unfortunately, people end up in lulls. You know, there's 45 minute lull and then the next 45 minutes is pumping. So those people got screwed out of one of their three heats. But that happens no matter what the format is. That's always going to be a potential but I think the shuffling of the heat draw would make a lot more sense unless there's a reason that I'm not thinking of for why they don't do it because Emio Sersmak, as the best example, drew the three Florence brothers in his heat <laughs> and he had to surf against them all three times, you know? And so that it'd be one thing just to have that one 
heat against them, but it seems pretty unfair that he would have to overcome them three times. Although, I mean, he could still end up in the top four scoring if they all four got, but he's competing against them for waves throughout the heat. So he probably won't get the best waves. Well, it was, it was a lot of fun to uh, witness finals day. Uh, Makana Pang, I thought surfed incredibly. I was sort of secretly rooting for him. I would have been, I wouldn't have been disappointed if he was the overall champion, especially based on the way that Moana Jones Wong had it tied to him that they were, they both grew up at pipe together and surf pipe mm -hmm. together and are basically, I think that maybe the same age and, and they're like, you know, since, since grade school that they've been buddies. And so that would have been sort of um, as much a Cinderella story as the John, John Moana victories. But, um, and I, I'm a little disappointed. I think on the women's side, there was some disappointment in some of the um, some of the more I don't want to say older pros, but some of the pros that have been around the scene, and and I'm further disappointed that Caitlin Simmers isn't in here because if we're going to throw these really up and coming red hot young surfers in there like Sierra and like Aaron Brooks, I think Caitlin Simmers needs to be uh, deserves to be rising at Pipeline with that crop and not be left out on the sidelines here. Did she get an invite? Do you know? I'm looking here. I don't see her name on the list, but maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but she definitely wasn't in the heats. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if she just declined the invite or what, but yeah, she would have been great to see. But I mean, this, we've been talking about the changing of the guard on the women's side. So for a long time, and it's um, the names that we would have picked are exactly the names that are kind of in the final, Aaron Brooks, Molly Picklum, Moana Jones-Wong. So it, was impressive to see Carissa Moore still battling it out and putting up huge, big scores at backdoor uh, right along with them. So congrats. Yeah. Her. That's the one thing is that, um, you know, to see Carissa not completely dominating the field is sort of refreshing. Like that's kind of like the tell that, okay, it's the final. And usually you're like, oh yeah, Carissa is just going to dominate with some backdoor waves and, and win this thing. And uh, well, the other thing that I had never seen Hold before. On for okay. Colbyplus.com wetsuits built out of Yamamoto neoprene is where you should go to stay warm and flexible this winter. Yeah, super buttery, um, comfortable, just uh, tape seams. It, the, the suit, it, it's a suit when I grab it, I feel so good about grabbing it and putting it in my car. And uh, I've been wearing my Colby Plus suit. I spoke with Rob on the phone the other day. I'm super excited. Um, he's sending me another one, a 4.3 with a hood. And, um, you know, regardless, he's a, their show sponsor, but I just, I absolutely love this suit. And and if, you're, if you see me in the water, you know I wear it all the time. Well, Stab Magazine just did a wetsuit review. Uh, Brendan Buckley is the surfer, the staff member and the surfer who actually uh, tested all the suits. I did not watch this yet. It's a 30 minute video. I scrolled through the comments to try to see who won the review. I don't know if they even pick a winner, but what I found in the comments was somebody wrote, would like to have heard a little bit more about the Colby Plus. Has anyone tried one? I'm very Yamamoto curious. And Brendan Buckley, the suit wetsuit tester, commented back and said, I've been wearing mine ever since we filmed this. And it's a very good wetsuit, definitely warm and flexible and feels like it'll last a while. If you're looking for a lot of bang for the buck, I highly recommend exclamation point. So that's what Brendan Buckley's wearing as well. I would argue, forget about bang for the buck. It happens to be less expensive because of the direct, direct to consumer business model that we've talked about in the past. It's just the most premium suit period. Aside from saving money, it's the best. David, I love how easy AG1 makes it for me to get the right nutrients in my body. Uh, it just takes one scoop and they combine all the right supplements. It provides multiple products, um, everything that you need, the foundational needs, um, comprehensive brain, gut, and immune system support. AG1, I drink it every day and I highly recommend if, uh, if you're, you know, looking to maintain your health, you put AG1 into your daily routine. Yeah, especially through this season, drinkag1.com slash surf. When you're hiring for a small business, you wanna find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. 
Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, buddy. Um, just a little note was uh, one thing I had never seen before was everybody filming their waves on a GoPro. Like Nathan yeah. Florence, uh, Moana Jones Wong had a GoPro. I think Emai Kalani Devault had a GoPro. The Moana footage I saw in the broadcast itself. So that I guess that was part of the production staff. I have a feeling Nathan Florence's was just for his own personal use. But it's kind of interesting to see somebody um, divesting their focus to collect clips while they're competing. <laughs> yeah, and you know the other side of that is that that's that's their normal MO anyway. So it's not so. Um, a move away from what they normally would do. So maybe there's a comfort zone there, comfort yeah. factor that you aren't thinking of. Um, another thing that's noteworthy is Sharif Fall is a surfer from Senegal that I'd been following on Instagram for the last six months. And um, he got invited to this event. And I was like, wow, okay, I know he's on Instagram and he's surfing pretty good and he's doing airs, but I don't know that I've ever seen him surf pipe. And I'm curious um, how he'll even fare out there. And he was going for it. I mean, he was charging, he was getting barreled, he's pulling into big closeouts. So I think that's the first Senegalese surfer that we've ever, I mean, I know it's the first Senegalese surfer that we've ever seen in a pipe masters event. So I think that's a kind of a big deal. Yeah, I hadn't. Uh, been following him and I was intrigued by who is this tall lanky fellow and uh, he's a big guy mm -hmm. and that's the other cool. the other thing that I got a bunch of comments about via DM was Mo, um, Makua Rothman's commentary did you mm -hmm. have any comments on that I guess he went rogue off script I don't know what exactly he was saying do you have any thoughts at all well let me just say that look doing commentary for whatever a whole day event is just draining and I can see how you could lose focus. And I can certainly see how some would say that at points at times, Makua, you know, went off script or lost focus or whatever, but um, it's just, just it, such a difficult thing to do. Was it defamatory of anybody or was it? There was one moment where he said some, I think he called Aaron Brooks a cute little thing or something like that. Oh, okay. There was one moment of like pretty, which I, again, I don't think that I know that there wasn't any um, malice. Yeah. There wasn't any malice. It was just not the right thing to say about a young woman, a young girl. That's, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I think it was like masculine, masculine talk. Toxic, yeah, was misogynistic, and but yeah. I just don't even think he realized it. He's like, she's a cute little young thing, or whatever, you know. And I'm like, as soon as he said it, my wife and I went, "Holy shit!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah. that's a 15 year old, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I did hear him say during the women's final, "What's her face?" Is how he referred to one of the surfers. One what of did he say? Surf. Well, what's her face or what's her name? <laughs> so like, he didn't he didn't have her name at the tip of his tongue, and so he said, "What's her name?" instead. But it's yeah. like. Dude, you're a professional in the booth and it's the finals. This isn't like round one of some QS <laughs> event somewhere, you know, I mean, and it's a foreigner whose name you can't pronounce. Like this is the finals. It's your job to know her name. So um, yeah, 
yeah minor again it's minor a tough time. gig i mean it's a lot of time to film um but yeah I, I don't think there's any real excuse here um the final thought that i have is just john john's maturity john john obviously has been one of the best surfers in the world if not the best surfer in the world for maybe eight years plus or minus and um, certainly in conditions like this so we would come to expect it but watching him throughout this event he, I mean, he solidified it for the millionth time in my brain. He is just so comfortable out there. And again, mature, like the size of his body, the power in his surfing. He almost, I'm not going to say that he overpowers pipeline, but he really does toy with it in a way that I surf two foot balsa chica. And let me add to this. Um, the right-hander that he got in the heat, I think it was his second wave. To me, that's just the epitome of of how well he knows this wave. This is this was Slater esque, but I don't even want to. I want to say this was John John esque, and the fact that he nailed that he knew he needed another ride. He had already gotten an incredible left that he scored highly on, like a twenty seven point something. He just needed another little wave, and he got a right hander out there with that north wind blowing, and um, you know got whatever, maybe got a five or something, but it was what he needed. It was a, a very smooth move. So that he could sit comfortably and not have to worry. And John John has taken that place in my heart as where Kelly used to reside. Like I would always be like, Kelly has to be in the final for it to be good, you know? And by the way, I still feel that way about Pipeline. Kelly needs to be in the final. But, you know, Kelly was and still is a must watch TV for me at Pipe. But John John, and I don't think it's a big stretch, is a must watch TV for everyone when we're talking pipeline or Chopu, uh, you know, or well, frankly, quite a few other spots, you know, big market river or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the commonality, I think between them that you and I struggle to kind of identify as being different than other surfers who may have a similar, uh, statistical, you know, win record like Felipe or Gabriel is there's artistry. It's yeah. watching a poet, freestyle poetry in yeah. front of you while, you know, um, combating the biggest kind of challenge from mother nature, essentially. So it's not just going out there and getting a technical 9.5 ride or whatever. It's the artistry and the style by which they do it with that blows the mind. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely nailed it. That's exactly right. Their aesthetic, their approach that, Frankly, John John and Kelly and a few others, Gabe Medina comes to mind, believe it or not. We're talking like this is Nadal. This is friggin' Djokovic. This this is Tom Brady. Like, if they're not in the final, you feel like the event didn't do the consumers, the end users justice. And that's why this format worked so well, is the cream does end up in the final. Yeah. I agree. To mix analogies. Yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations to Vans. I asked you the question a week or two ago if um, whether or not this format and the mixed group of invitees and all of that um, devalues the legacy of the event or whether it kind of uh, solidifies it. And ultimately, the decision that we landed on was the waves will decide. If the waves are pumping, the cream will rise to the top and the event will remain at its kind of uh, level of importance that it's always been. And I think that's exactly what happened. The waves are pumping. John John and Moana won. They deserve to win. There was 30 point rides out there and the event remains supreme. Reigns remains to reign supreme. I totally agree with you. All you have to do is look at the final and say to yourself, could those four guys be in the final at the WSL event if they got wild cards? And the answer is absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. And you know, either any of those four guys could have won it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's sort of the litmus test. You know, if we saw whoever in the final because the waves were shitty and they were punting aerials at gums or whatever to determine a winner, we might be going, okay, well, I guess we can do that better. Gabe Medina. You yeah. know I mean? Well, the, the challenge that we always have with the WSL events is somebody like Makana Pang might get the invite or might get through the trials event and get into the event. But in, we're always concerned that he's going to trip on the red tape of the contest format or the bureaucracy and not ultimately make it to the final. We've seen that with Jamie O'Brien, you know, and Mason Ho and these guys who are like, 
they could win this. If this was just a free surf session, they would win the day nine times out of 10. And yeah. so what's great about this format is that their red tape seems to be eradicated. Yeah, I, I do like the format. Agreed. David, well, a wave pool has erupted in Southern California. A Palm Springs, I don't even, what's the name of it? Palm Springs Surf Club? Boom, simple as that. Palm Springs Surf Club is open and taking bookings and uh, it's sort of like the uh, here in Southern here in California, it's sort of like blowing up my text chain and people are signing up and all my friends are going and want to go and are looking at going. And and I think it's I think it's a fascinating thing to see here more than anything, how this thing books out. If this thing just books up and it's solid, um, we're going to see if there's a business uh, viability here in Southern California. According to the press release from PSCC, it's $20 to enter the property. So you can just pay 20 bucks, go in and watch if you want. Um, there's a beginner Waikiki style wave start, which is $100 an hour for a group of 12. So you can sit on the inside, catch the Waikiki waves, 100 bucks an hour. There's 12 people in that portion of the pool. There's intermediate wave costs. Also a group of 12 where you would sit out the back at two, at, I'm sorry, $150 an hour. And then the advanced sessions will cost you $200 an hour. And that's limited to nine people instead of 12. There's private reservations available to give you a lot of other options for settings of waves, like a clean and easy tube ride. It's just, you know, you have a- No, you've surfed this wave. I surfed this two months ago. I've surfed yeah, this wave twice, right. so, actually. So which so surfed, wave did you, did you surf the right and left, which is an offering, or the quick tube, which is an offering? So the first wave that they had us on was a leggy right tube. Uh, I don't know if you've watched the release videos, the press release videos with Mason Ho getting that like crazy yeah. slab. It's not that one. It's like, uh, <laughs> I would Bait say- switch. I would say it's toned down 70% from that. Yeah. No, I'm going to tone down 30% from that. So right. about 70% of that where like Mason's on like a slingshot wedge into that slab. This was more of like take off on the left of the right and try to kind of like put your weight on your tail and airdrop into the bottom of the wave and then sit there and get the slab, sit in the pot in the pit and let the slab kind of spit you out. Um, and it was pretty challenging. And it was like, that was the first setting that they put us on for the day. And I ate crap kind of over and over and over again. And then everybody was. And so I think they then toned it down to the more lowers like right and left where you could just kind of rip the wave. Mm -hmm. um, but the settings that we had, I'm not sure how they relate to what they're selling on their website, you know, because they didn't shout out, hey, this is the name of this setting. Mm -hmm. um, but look how fun i mean to me in terms of all the different wave pools that we've seen when you look at this footage and these photos this looks the most fun out of any of them and i'll tell you from having surfed it it is and yeah. when you're looking at when you're looking at the 150 cost for intermediate waves 12 people in the pool i would tell you you get a dozen waves out of that hour at least so there's a group of 12 in the pool you sit in a group of four. So it becomes three groups of four that are sitting and they send a set and the four people go, there's four waves in a set. So one, two, three, four, all within quick succession. Then the, it takes about 90 seconds for the pool to kind of calm down again. Then they set another set. So that group that got that set then goes and sits in the back of the line and they're going to have about three minutes of wait time until the next their next turn because those two other groups go with 90 second intervals each um which is just right you know it's like you get just enough time to rest to recuperate to think about what you did wrong how you want to do it different the other little variable is that wave one two three and four are all slightly different but wave one of a set seems to be similar to wave one of the next set. Wave one's always kind of the same. Wave two's always kind of the same. So in your little group of four, you can kind of communicate and be like, oh, I went on wave one that time. I want to try that again. Or wave two looked like it had more of a little tube pocket on it. So can I do wave two? And you kind of communicate amongst yourselves. Yeah, that's what my question was going to be to you. So that sounds great. And uh Man, it looks, here's the thing. If you pay 20 bucks to go in and watch, you're going to be so frothed that you're, I know for a fact that you're going to be like, hey, are there any openings? Can I rent a board? 
Where, do you have any trunks I can use? You'll end up spending 300 bucks just to get outfitted so you can surf for now. <laughs> True, but your wife might want to come watch. And so she pays the 20 bucks. You know uh, what I mean? Like that's what the 20 bucks is for. But I mean, also the 20 bucks is for, there's um, a bunch of other things to do. It's a water park. There's like slides and there's um, there's actually restaurants. There's cabanas. You can rent the cabana for 500 bucks a day. And the cabana isn't a tent. It's like a permanent structure with television, Wi-Fi, nice sofas, refrigerator, all that kind of stuff. That's so cool. And waiting pools but, too, right along the side, the cabanas, in between the cabanas and the actual ledge of the pool, there's long pools that you can kind of sit in up to your neck and watch cool. the whole day. I mean, it is beautifully built out and designed. Apparently they spent 80 million bucks on this thing. Yeah, that's that's so great. And, and to top off all of that wonderment is... The host, Shane Magnuson, is just a great human being. He he was uh, working at Waco when I was there, and he gave me personalized service. And he he was sincere and wanted you to be stoked, and um, and it showed. And and Kalani Rob as well. So they've got great hosts on site there. And so um, and plus, so, you could go golfing. Yeah. So <laughs> Shane, I can't agree with you more about Shane Magnuson unbelievable host his wife by the way courtney is a phenomenal host as well and she when i went um she was the one responsible for all of, like the email communications and stuff like that so when you show up she knows exactly who you are and you know so and then he is the expert for the pool itself uh and because of his experience at waco and bsr he developed so much learning and how to yeah. run the technology and the software and all that and so he's bringing all that with him to this pool, but he's been at this pool now for two years through the, what they did was they bought the property it was a pre-existing um, water park with an actual wave pool in it. That was just not great. They took out all that technology out of that pool, put this new technology in and did some R and D in the old footprint, then demoed that old pool, built a much larger footprint and put the new tech in this new pool. And so Shane's been through all of that. And you can imagine all that experience leads to being able to craft insane waves. So over the since this pool has been functional, they've had everybody from Jamie O'Brien, Mason Ho, Italo Ferreira, all these pros come through and help R&D it and help design waves so they can build a desert point left that goes barrels all the way from the back of the pool to the inside. They can build lowers waves. They could do anything. And um, the other, in terms of hospitality, a friend of mine that I went to high school with, who's become like a really notable surfer, his Instagram handle is uh, Shreddy HB, Ted Navarro. They brought him on, on staff as well. So he's in the pool as a uh, coach slash referee on a longboard, kind of on the Waikiki section. If you eat crap on the barreling section, he'll tell you swim over to this area until the set goes away. Next time you should try to do this instead. You know, he's kind of directing traffic and stuff. So having an expert in the pool like that is also super helpful and key. Well, it's like I said, it's sort of the buzz of the community here is the, the Palm Springs Surf Club. So Good for them. Excited that it's open and we're going to see how it plays out. I'm I'm just, I'm sure it'll be successful. It sounds wonderful. I'm ready to go. You know, sounds like it might be booked up. I tried to book a spot just to check for our conversation. Yeah, me too. Palmspringsurfclub.com and the online reservations were either booked out completely or maybe not functioning because they got overrun, but it said make a phone <laughs> call and you can check as well. Um, yeah. But I tried the beginner sessions, the intermediate, the advanced, and everything looked like it was booked up for a long time. Um, do you, you have a heart out at eight, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to play a listener line call for you about, um, indoor climbing versus outdoor climbing and the relatability for our surf world, but I'm going to save that for you for next week. Yeah. Just cause we're limited on time. Cause I want to give people an update on the Chopu tower build. Unfortunately, it looks like the Olympic committee is proceeding with the build quote, a group of scientists and surfers from the mega lab which by the way, one of the founders of the Mega Lab is PhD Cliff Capono, who was in the commentary booth. Mm -hmm. uh, anyways, the Mega Lab recently completed a study of Chopu's reef and determined that work from the barge path and tower construction could potentially impact 2,500 square meters of the reef and cause damage worth $1.3 million to the living habitat. 
Um, in turn, Megalab has advised the local government and the International Olympic Committee not to proceed with the proposed construction of the new judging tower before the 2024 Olympic Games. And yet, the Olympic Committee seems to be proceeding. Yeah, this, this trauma is going to play out here. It's um, unfortunate and more is going to be revealed because it feels like we're coming to a head here where we're going to be seeing which surfers really uh, are going to, you know, put their words towards their actions and vice versa. Yeah, I would love to see a boycott, to be honest. All right. Well, look, I, I do have a hard out, so I apologize, but I have a Duke and a kook. I want to say real quick. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. I have a must-see moment. Must-see moment is if you go onto YouTube and you do a search for raw skeleton bay clips, this guy just put this up two or three days ago. Did you see this? No. It's pretty mind-blowing. I know you're probably rolling your eyes going, dude, I've seen enough skeleton bay. I get it. And that's kind of what I was thinking. But um, it was because it's new. I was checking it out. And it's basically a short edit of random sessions. And there are some brain melting deep barrels that just had my jaw dropped. And, um, you know, those types of tubes are like, there's no way that guy's coming out. I cannot believe they're still filming this. And it was from the channel view, kind of for that drone view where you can see into the tube and their guy's gone. And then 10 seconds later, he comes out and you're like, oh, my God. So check that out. Do a search for raw skeleton bay clips. Again, it was just posted up two or three days ago. And then my hit split recommendation, believe it or not, it's close to home here. Ocean Beach, San Francisco. This weekend should be six to eight feet and super clean. There's going to be a dicey day here or there. And then next week, about this time, solid experts only, you know, 10 to 12 feet. Wow. Okay, great. Uh, my must-see moment. I mentioned last week, or we talked at nauseum about Kanahe Hunt's wave at Backdoor. His friends have an Instagram account called Black Bear Surf Club, and they got the interview with him. I mean, they got the ride. They got the interview with him when he's walking out of the water, and he, they got the footage of him reviewing the clip on the sand. They've got the footage back at the house that night of kind of downloading everything. It's an epic Instagram clip. It's only about two minutes long. I will post it with today's show notes. And Say my that Duke, one more time, the name of that Instagram? Black Bear Surf Club. Thank you. But black is spelled B-L-A-K. There's no C. Okay. Black Bear Surf Club. And then my Duke is actually Michael February, who I feel like is having a banner season on the North Shore. Uh, shaved his head, more aerodynamic maybe. Um, <laughs> his his waves at Backdoor, of course, during this pipe event were insane. But then footage emerged of him surfing Rocky Rights on a Ryan Birch uh, pickle fork nose board, whatever that thing is called, parallelogram maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, his surfing is insane. Like he's doing these turns that were just like, Oh my gosh. I've only seen Birch and Bryce Young do those turns on those boards specifically. There's something about those boards are 17 inches wide or something that yeah. just fit into this unbelievably tight turning radius and seeing Michael unlock new levels of his surfing on them is incredible. And also a quick reminder, treeswax.com, petroleum-free surf wax. That is what Scott and I have been using for the last six months. Works every bit as good as any surf wax that I've ever owned, but it's petroleum-free, so why wouldn't you use it? In addition to their website, you can get it at Joe's Surfboards in Morro Bay, Midtown in Santa Cruz, and Sunlight in Pacifica, and of course, treeswax.com. All right, well, look, um, we said a lot. Until next week, David, adios and aloha. When I was small, I believed in Santa Claus, though I knew it was my dad. And I would hang up my stocking at Christmas, open my presents and I'd be glad. But the last time I played Father Christmas, I stood outside a department store. A gang of kids came over and bugged me, and knocked my reindeer to the floor. He said, Give us some money, don't mess around.
Please hand it over. We'll beat you up, so don't make it. 